Welcome to this week's episode of Fighting Words. It's been a few weeks. It's been a little crazy. I've been busy, uh, but hopefully I'll get back in the swing and be providing episodes for you. So thanks for tuning in. I am joined today by Keegan Barrett. Hello. Hi. Keegan's a member in Cedar Rapids and a controversial figure. So I named the podcast Fighting Words because I do. That's what I look for. I look for controversy. Um, not to actually fight, but to to kick it around and to share ideas and push back and hopefully do it in a way that brings nuance and kindness. Um, but yeah, mostly if we agree on everything, I don't really want to talk to you. Um, so, uh, Keegan, let's just get to know you a little bit. Okay. How old are you? I am 22. I'll be 23 next month. Oh, wow. Okay. And where are you from? I am from Emmitsburg, Iowa, which is up like in rural northwest Iowa. So if you've ever been to rural northwest Iowa, it's basically like... Spencer? Yeah. So Spencer's about... You head west on the highway from... uh, There's like this main intersection in Emmitsburg. You head uh, west on the highway, about 30-minute drive. And then 30 minutes going east is like Algona. So we're like right there in the middle there. So I have a story about a pig in Spencer. Oh, yeah, we have lots of stories about pigs in Northwest Iowa. This was in a house. Okay, so I went, to do a, I went to do a wedding, Cole Dyke's wedding, mm-hmm. and uh, it was in Spencer because that's where uh, Chloe is from. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, they said, hey, we come out and stay. We've got a family, friends that have a house on the lake. That's Okoboji out there? Yeah, it's like Lake Okoboji, like in yeah, that area. Yeah. And uh, you guys can stay at their place and blah, blah, blah. And so we're excited, man. Like, yeah, it's kind of like going to the it, beach, right? So uh, so we're like, man, we're driving there. We got there in the afternoon. Like, first things first, let's get these kids in some swimsuits and go down to the lake, right? So um, we pull up, go in the house. <coughs> well, there's like a screened-in porch is what it is. We go in that screened-in porch, and okay. the front door is supposed to be unlocked, I think, or the key doesn't work to it or something, but it can't get in the house. And I'm like, huh. Let me try to go around the back. Well, my wife, impatient as she is, says, all right, I'm going to get these kids in their swimsuits. So out there on the screened-in porch, the kids are like little, you know, back then, like, I don't know, three to eight or something. So they're like getting butt naked in the screened porch (laughs) there and starting to change. And I'm like, all right, I'll find my way into this house. I walk around to the back of the house and I see uh, like a dog leash. It's like tethered to the ground. And I'm already a little nervous because I I have like a fear of dogs, and um, which is why we have a toy poodle. You know, that thing gets out of hand. We can <laughs> we can punt. Um, Kick it around a little bit. Yeah, so so then I go to walk in the house. I open the back door. It's open. And I walk in. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, we're good. We're in. And then <clears throat> as soon as I get down the hallway and, like, <clears throat> darken the entryway to the living room, I hear <laughs> like, this, like this snort. And I'm like, what in the world? And I look over on the couch. And it's not a little, what do you call this, like, pot belly pig? No, 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 dude. Like this the ones thing, that keep his pets? Yeah. This belly. thing was the bigger than a Rottweiler. I mean, it was a giant hog. And I, like I said, I fear not just dogs, you but animals. You just got a board chilling there in the living room or what? A boar or something like that. <laughs> yeah. It was just on the couch. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I turned around and hightailed it out of there in great fear. <laughs> and my kids are naked on the front porch. <laughs> 
So I was like, I don't know. There's a pig in the house. So I call Cole and I'm like, dude, there's a pig in the house. And he's like, Chloe, you know, what's up with the pig in the house? <laughs> and uh, we're at the wrong house. No. Yeah. So I think they gave us the wrong address or something. And so now I'm in, I literally, I be in need at someone's house. You know, it doesn't shock me because people uh, up and up, like from my neck of the woods, like Northwest Iowa, like a lot of people, like they just don't lock their house because this idea of people breaking in, it's just really not a thing that happens a whole lot. Oh, plus you got a pig. Plus you got a pig. So right. I just sit on the chit in there on the couch. That's right. A guard pig. So I guess I technically technically didn't be any. I just eat because I just opened the door. But anyway, I was like, we got to get out of here. Get these kids dressed. And <laughs> fled the scene. So anyway, that's my Northwest Iowa story. Those are my adventures. So Emmitsville, is that what you said? Emmitsburg. Emmitsburg. Yep. What's the difference between a burg and a ville? Um, they're different. It, you know, I don't know. Well, we're gonna. That's what this episode is about. By the end of this episode, we'll know the difference between a that's right a burg, a ville, and a villa. Eight months because we want to know the difference between a burg and a ville. Yeah. Um, Emmitsburg. What's it like? What What's the size of that town? Yeah. It's so we can't have more than probably like twenty six, twenty seven hundred. Oh people it, it's pretty small it's like my high school it, it so it was it was originally founded i believe by a uh, robert emmett and we have i know because we have we have a statue that's a that's a controversy you tear it down i don't know but see so he's like an irish Ooh. catholic he was like an irish catholic who founded the town and so oh that's for sure racist yeah so so emmitsburg is is a the whole area is pretty like irish catholic in a lot of ways because it's, it's just like goes back to the roots of the town would you say the guy's name is Ro- I believe it's Robert Emmett. So whatever. What is the, he's known for being an Irish Catholic? I have no idea okay. what he's known for. He just founded the town and cuz okay. like there was like kind of like in the in that time in that time period like especially like the 18 like it's like the 1700s it's like this common thing like if you found a place like you just get to name it after yourself yeah. apparently. It's like if I was like Keegansville, I, I found it. Yeah. I should get to name it, right? Yeah. Just sense. name it after me. Did I'm you cool. did you like growing up in that kind of context? I mean like I drive through places like that and I have like a deep seated fear and like angst and like really? horror. Yeah. Places like that? By places like that, I mean towns that small. Oh, yes. okay. That seem like they haven't changed since the, you drive through downtown it, if there is one and it uh, seems like it, the 50s. Mm-hmm. And uh nothing ever changes, there's no new people like yeah, man. Business. Business is like the if, if you like the whole layout of the town, no, never changes. Basically the everything stays the same except you have a lot of businesses come and go. Um and like really like you have to be careful because nothing can survive there. Well we got like there's like I'm shocked that the coffee shop has lasted. Because there's a coffee shop there in the town and they had tried years before to open a coffee shop, but like but like people like place like Cedar Rapids coffee shops like everywhere and cities they're everywhere, but in place like small rural Iowa like People just, I guess they they don't care to go to places like coffee shops. Like if you try to be hipster in a small town, it doesn't work. There's just no market there for that kind of thing. Right. But so yeah, the only thing that changes businesses come and go, but the people pretty much stay the same. They're like statues. They are. You have a uh, 2,700 statues in Emmitsburg. That's right. Do you? So growing up there, did you have a sense of like, man, this place is tiny and like weird, and I want to get out of here? Or were you like? loving it like mayberry so it i would say i would say both so i actually like looking back on it now like i actually really value growing up in a small town i think uh, there's just really this deep sense of community 
that you don't get when you move to like an urban center yeah. or you can get it, but you have, you have to like find it. It doesn't really come looking for you. Like in a small so town. So in Emmitsburg where community comes looking for you. <laughs> That's why I got to get the heck out of there. I got to get that. Cause on. I'm like, someone's about to come looking for me. And then get hold of the Emmitsburg city council, put that on a banner. <laughs> we come community. You don't comes need to say it. We you. can sense it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed the context in the sense that like, Looking back on it now, it really is like the town is one big, one big uh, family. And like, even if like, you know, everyone without even really having to know them, someone says a name, you're like, oh yeah, I know him, lives uh, kind of yeah, down the street there. Yeah, yeah. You can tell where they work most of the time. Like last name becomes mm. a big thing in a context like that. Like, cause there's a lot of families, they stay there in the town. And so their name, their yeah. last, gets like a reputation. Like a legacy. So in the high, but there's even some politicking that can go on with that because like in our high schools and like our schools and stuff, if you come from a family with this particular name, it was kind of always expected that you would play a certain position like on the sports team, like in athletics or something. Mm. Names could actually like be a thing in that context because your family was like known. So, so what's the Barrett name known for in Emmitsburg? Um, so it's known like if I go through there and I say, Hey, I know the Barrett's, it, you this, know, it's actually very possible thing? that some people, so me and my brother, so we moved to Emmitsburg when I was in first grade. And so from the time I was six to the time I was 18, I lived in Emmitsburg and me and my brother were both pretty well known in the community, especially me because I did a lot of stuff. I, I played sports. I, uh, did a lot of speech. I was really big into show choir. That was like the, I'm one sorry. of the primary idols in my life. Wow. And, uh, in high school. No, it was huge. And because we, we were a 1A school, but we ran, we ran, like in a 1A school, we ran like a competitive at least 3A show choir program. So like I was really into it. Me and my brother both have our, uh, like we were, we got our names like on the plaques that they keep in there for like outstanding show choir members because we were just so involved in it and really cared about it a lot. I really cared about it a lot. I think Wayne is just really my brother. He's just really well liked. He, people yeah. always liked Wayne more than me. Yeah, he's like I less, like him more than you. I've only met him once. Oh, I know. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's not hard to do. Wayne's a really cool guy. If you get yeah. to meet him, he's funny. Wow, show choir. I would not have guessed that. But I don't. But I don't mean you. Well, I guess your family hasn't <laughs> been there long enough. There's not like a generational thing going it, on. It's so. just. It's just me and Wayne. And now you guys have remember. left. You're yeah. probably not going back. They'll probably forget all about us. Yeah. Yeah. Unless they see the plaque in the high school or somewhere. Yeah. That's good. Well, you're married to Moriah. I am. Yes. yes. You you have uh, you married up like every man. Way up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you've been how long have you been married? You guys got married young. Yeah. So we got married June fifteenth of last year. So we've been married for about a year and a month now. Okay. Cool. So young for today's uh, culture, not necessarily young in general. Oh yeah. I hope my kids culture, get yeah. married that young. I mean, assuming it's all good, you know. <laughs> um, they don't need to be running around this planet. It's like why wait? Yeah. Get after it. So, um, good. And you uh, attend Mercy, Mount Mercy College. Yep. yep. And um, what do you study in there? So I'm a I'm a secondary education major. I'm getting endorsed in all the social sciences. So when I finish, I'll be. Why able would to you teach. go into a garbage, you know, dumpster <laughs> fire? Like the social sciences. That's a great question. Have you heard like Harvey Weinstein or Oh yeah, Brett it, no, or, it's a uh, total... what's his name? Up Peterson, Jordan Peterson critique that stuff. Oh dude, no. So I am complete so I'm completely aware No offense of... to all of you out there who are in the social sciences. I love you. <laughs> we come on here and we can fight about it. So no, so to like full disclosure, like I'm aware, at least what seems to me to be the mess that is 
like the secular humanities in our educational institutions in America today. That being said, um, it's so complete honesty. When I was, I originally wanted to be a theater major. So I came to Kirkwood. I'm alumni from Kirkwood. My first semester, I was in a theater program. I thought I wanted to be an actor because I loved, uh, I loved lying. Yeah. Pretending. Exactly. False fronts. It, legit masks. though, legit though, though acting yeah. allowed me to be something I. Uh, allowed You've been me doing be, it your whole life. It Might allowed as well me get paid. It allowed me to be something other than what I hated, which was myself. Yeah. So absolutely. I really enjoyed it. So. Um, so now you're just an amateur actor. Well, I stopped. I stopped being. <laughs> so I stopped being an actor because. Uh, so I'd actually converted to to Christianity, like real Christianity, um, before like the summer summer before that, in between high school and college. And I just felt God telling me, like, nah, this isn't really what I want you to do. And I wasn't comfortable with things I might end up having to do as an actor if I really wanted to, like, make it. Like what? Just, like, I, I wasn't comfortable with, like, I was, I'm not comfortable with, like, cursing during a play. Anything where I'd have to, like, have any sort of love or sexual interaction with another person, like... I'm just not into that. And if you want to make it in that industry, there's just... This is a culture that... It's a... Well, it's a liberal culture. Mm-hmm. It'd be tough to navigate. For if, sure. I, if I really wanted to, like, be good at it, make money doing it, I knew I was probably going to end up having to do things that were going to go against my convictions, and I just wasn't down for that. Okay. So I started thinking, well, what do I want to do with my life now, God? Because you tell me... I feel like you're telling me not to do this. What do I do now? And to be quite honest with you... I got, well, what am I good at? I'm like, talking. And then I got, well, what could I do? Or I get paid to talk. Teaching. Now, given there's so much more to teaching than talking. Well, but it's, it is moving commu- away from... Communication is really what you're saying. I mean, talking is a real kind of base way to put it, but you're talking right. about communication. It's like, yeah. what, what job could I do where I would be allowed to talk and I'd have a captive audience Yeah, would have to listen <laughs> to me? And I was like, education, it just seems right. Could be a prison officer. <laughs> just walk around, just telling everybody what you think. Yeah. So, it, it, but now, and as I've gotten into it, like obviously, so much more than that. And to be honest with you, I'm kind of in the issue. I'm kind of in the sense where, like, I don't think I want to public school my children, but I want to. It's kind of like one of those things where, like, I want to be involved and help affect kids from the inside. Okay. And that's just a good place to go. I don't even know if I'm going to end up going into education. I think it's one of those things that I'm going to try. Sure. I'm going to be like, well, if this is for me, if I can do this, then I'll continue on with it. Otherwise, there's all kinds of other things I'm sure I could go. Okay, so so, so I see that. Why teaching? But then why social sciences? So <clears throat> I believe that the social sciences are a – for to me, they're a gateway into the human condition. So when we understand the humanities, it's a way of looking at people, albeit it's an incomplete way of looking at people because in the, uh, in the, in the secular world, right, you talk about psychology, sociology, history, government, there's always going to be, we, we don't look at that in our culture today through a Christian lens in the public school. So albeit imperfect, however, I want to, um, to me, it's a gateway into the human condition where I can help, un- it helps me understand people better and when you understand people better, we can help maximize flourishing. But if you're teaching the, yeah, and I'm very interested in those subjects as well. I don't have a problem with the social sciences. I think that you can get, what, what's going to happen is you're going to have different perspectives. And mm-hmm. the challenge in that is that in a lot of, most universities right now, there's what, well, what 
Harvey Weinstein calls the the gated institutional narrative. Like this is this is what's allowed to be said about right. what's real and what's true. Like, so how are you going to enter into a public school system and and challenge that? It seems like you're not going to be allowed to. Like, hey, here's the here's the curriculum, bro. Like, mm-hmm. you don't get to come in here and like, how do you do that? How do you envision being able to do that to be employed by when the powers that be have a a mm-hmm. certain narrative that you're being paid to <clears throat> propagate? It's like if you said. Hey, I'm gonna get a job at Redeemer, but I want to teach something different because I want to work on the inside. <laughs> like, no, you'll get yeah. fired. <laughs> right. It. So that's a great question, and to be quite honest, I just don't know the answer to it yet. I think it's one of those things where, because I'm getting the degree, like, there's a feeling out process to it, and as I'm as I'm going through these courses and I'm learning, I'm kind of thinking, okay, because I'm not really sure yet what it looks like. I'm like, I'm not sure if there's certain things within the institution that as an, as an instructor that you can get around, like next for example, do I, do I have to teach intersectionality explicitly to my students? Like, is there a way for me to do this where I can actually offer all sides and allow them to make their own conclusions because they're not idiots? You know, they actually have brains and they can think if you let them, you know? Yeah, which I think you can. I mean, you can do that. There's obviously possible. The question is whether the um, institutions will allow it. You're right. And that's a yet to be seen. I'm also not opposed to teaching in like a private school as long as I can actually make a living doing it. Let's talk about N.T. Wright. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, So you've been reading about New Perspective on Paul? It, so I read a bit. I read a couple. I've read a couple books by N.T. Wright this summer, and the new perspective on Paul. I have a very, I have a very base knowledge enough to like, kind of understand where they're coming from, and m- maybe where someone in the Reformed tradition might uh, have some fighting words. Mm. Mm. <laughs> you found it. I mean, you brought it up to me. It was something that you mm-hmm. that you found interesting and wanted to discuss more. So yeah, want to do that now, or do, would you rather go politics? <laughs> politics is timely. I'd love to do. We both. can talk. We can talk. <laughs> I love. I, I mean, I, I'll know more about politics. <laughs> Let's do that. Okay. Let's uh, do that. Oh. Current events. You sent me the other day yeah. a text where you said you've been reading Doug Wilson, mm-hmm. and uh, you are now a full-blown capitalist is that the way you put it or something? <laughs> i said full economic libertarian so i now believe in a completely uh, free economy test. maybe that's what you said yeah i think i said i now believe in a completely free economy you didn't before no so before i was a little bit um i think i was a little bit more okay with the government spending and i believe the government still had a role in regulating the economy but now i'm like total lossy fair like get out okay so so no, so zero government spending, like com- complete, like no military, it, it, no. <clears throat> that's fair. That's a fair point. Um, <clears throat> I think military, I'm okay with. <clears throat> probably not as much. I I think we could, I think we could cut the military budget probably like ninety percent. I don't know. Let's still be okay. Something. We we could still we could still be the most powerful military in the world and not spend over fifty percent of our budget okay. on the military. I think. Um, it, namely, like, for example, the to the two big things that we're kind of like talking about in our culture right now, I would love to see all government money out of healthcare and out of education. Okay. Um, I think there's this idea, the way I see it, you can have universality, so everybody has access to it. You can have affordability, it's cheap, right? Or, really? Or you can have, and or you can have, what's the third one? Uh, universality. 
quality. But you, in most things like education or healthcare, you can't have all three. And people go, oh, well, Europe, Europe, what about Europe? Europe has universal, affordable, quality healthcare. Why do you think that is? I mean, they kind of they kind of mooch off American innovation. It's like, if you look at like how much they spend in Europe on biomedical research as opposed to America, it's not even a contest. Because biomedical research is a very profitable business in America right now, despite the fact that People turn around and put well, that gets out. into the affordability thing. I want to come back to the capitalism. Well, this we're still there, but yeah, kind yeah. of. I one of the things I say about healthcare is that it's actually just unaffordable. It's, I don't think you can make it affordable because of the mm-hmm. the level of technology and and research that it takes to develop stuff. By the time it hits the consumer, it, there's no way it's affordable. Yeah, it's not going to be fifty bucks. Yeah, you know, it's not like back in the day the doctor would come over, he'd bring his sutures and his whatever he would do, you know, like his pills or his you know, herbs or whatever, like in the, 18, <laughs> in the 1800s, like, like the, you could afford that. Everyone right. in town could go, well, call the doctor, you know, Hey, thanks for your time. Give him a dollar, like whatever. Like it's not, I don't think, I think the level of development has exceeded our ability to afford it. There's no, and that's not just, that's probably me, who's a middle class person, and then mm-hmm. I take someone who's a single mom, you know, working at the Seven Eleven. Like, there's no way she can afford. I don't think you can make cancer treatment affordable for her. Yeah, and I think it's impossible. Yeah, I think. Well, and I, I think, I think even the reason it's such the conversation it is is because there's this narrative that it people are entitled to health care, and and I don't believe that. I don't think that people. I don't think that people are entitled to health care. Therefore, I don't believe that the that the government has a responsibility to provide. Well, I it. think that's a fair uh, point. I mean, one of the challenges that you know, like uh, you know, thousand years ago, there was no health care. Right, that people thing just was died. Then, that thing was developed, sick. and now it's a human right. <laughs> right, right, it's a human right. So you can make that argument. That's pretty laissez-faire for sure. So let's let's go there with the laissez-faire thing. Um, Capitalism, completely free markets, with but you're saying with few exceptions, which is interesting because you then you're really not. It's kind of <laughs> like I feel like everyone has their exceptions. Like I was talking with someone the other day who's like, "Man, I don't believe we should redistribute wealth. It creates laziness and this and that." And it's like, mm-hmm. but they're good with subsidizing the banks because they're too big to fail. And I'm like, but that doesn't create laziness. Like that doesn't incentivize. That's fair. Like you know, and he's like, he's not really against redistribution of wealth. Just he's against it for them. It, right. That's so a good you're point. not really a laissez-faire capitalist. You, you still want a military. I'm assuming you want do you want fair. police or do you want like private privatized that, that, that's police? Fair. No, that, that's a that's a totally fair point. I think I don't know. I don't know about law enforcement. I would say I would say military. Um, I think even even the man. I I just think if you're a libertarian and you're like no, we don't need any sort of national defense. That just sounds like craziness to me. Like, I think we have to have some sort of national defense, especially when you're America and you're as big as we are and you have a lot of people to protect. Ooh. So here, let me put it this way. I think at best, like if you were to, you could say something like, listen, in an ideal world, Mm -hmm. I'm completely laissez-faire. Unfortunately, there are complicated, complicating factors like the threat of external, you know, attack or something Mm -hmm. that is going to require some kind of united uh group funded thing right like okay um the the challenge is then that 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 opens the door what you've basically said is we're laissez-faire unless we identify 
something that's in the public interest. Mm-hmm. And that's where the debate lies. That's the now. slippery slope because now we have to define well, what are all what these is things? the public, public interest? interest? So, so yeah. the pu- the public in- argument for public education is, um, uh, it's in the public interest to have an educated population, which is a great argument if everyone in the populace is united by a common set of values and beliefs, like um. For, for example, when public school started, well, just right? simply knowing how to read, like if it's better we can to all have people, that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, people can read, they can do math. You know, they're not just uh, because without that education, there's not. I mean, you're talking about basics, right? So maybe we don't right. need to. So I don't know. That's the argument. It's a public good. So would you want to go back to a place where, you know, eighty percent of the population is uneducated? It's it's in our favor to educate our population, and and some people, number one, may not invest in it because they don't care. Yep. Two. They can't afford it. Like literally, dude, there are people mm-hmm. that, you know, they're behind on the bills. So let me just use the example, right? Single mom, dad ran out or died or something. She's yeah. got six kids. She's, she's struggling to get by. She's working at the 7-Eleven. She makes, you know, $180 a week. And now you're saying you should also pay for health. I'm not saying the answer is we should then be socialists. I'm just I'm just challenging yeah, yeah. these things. And like, yeah. so then she should... Uh, be able to pay for education for her kids as well and pay for mm-hmm. health care and it's like yeah i think i think where the issue comes in so 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 let's run with education right so it's this idea <clears throat> so i'm saying it we'll see so so as i here's a story for you. as i started getting into secondary ed programs and like we learned um i had to take a class where we talked about like educating students with special needs and the gear started turning for me as I was in this class, that doesn't sound very laissez-faire. <laughs> well, well, no, 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 not that. You the, know what well, I mean? Well, the gears like, started let turning them for, me. for themselves. Well, well, the gears started turning for me because essentially, as I went through these education courses, I began to realize that part of I think I think we have a more generally educated populace in the U.S. today than ever before, but I don't think the quality of that education is nearly as good sure. as it would have once been because what happens when you have limited resources and now you say, well, now here's more mm. people that we need to give those resources to. Naturally, what you're going to do is you're going to take your resources and spread them thinner than they already were. And so when the government makes education compulsory, you have all these resources that now have to be thinned out. So everyone gets educated, but you tell me why so many... You're constantly hearing about youth in America. They can't critically think and yada, yada, yada. I think there's some truth to that. I think if it wasn't for the fact that I like learning and I did my own reading outside of class, I wouldn't have some of the knowledge that I have now. I didn't get taught a lot of this. I, I got taught to read, and then I teach a lot of things to myself because I enjoy well, it. you're curious about that. and Right. Yeah. Well, it's certainly something to be argued for the fact that, um, well, that's why private schools, you know, a lot of people invest in them because you're going to get you're going to get more quality, you're going to more focused Less attention students, on students. Better, right. Yeah. So, uh, but that's not necessarily, see, that's the problem is it's just really, to me, these things all function in tensions. Let me back up here. In other words, they function in, in these tensions that like, don't you want quality? Well, of course, mm-hmm. you know, um, but I also, so do, do I, would I rather have three highly educated people and 97 uneducated people <laughs> or, you know, 70, Fairly educated people, three. It's like, well, man, I don't know, but that's the question. Is it working is, well for us right now? That's the question I ask. <laughs> no, 
Well, maybe, maybe not. Um, but even if you said, I mean, I don't think it's hard to make the argument that education and system can be improved. Oh, yeah. but I don't think that just that's a that's a non sequitur to go. Therefore, laissez-faire education. Mm-hmm. That's that doesn't connect. Sure. Like anybody can grant that the current system needs improvement. But that doesn't, therefore, oh, therefore, obvious, the obvious conclusion yeah. is, is defunding, you know, mm-hmm. state schools. Let me back up here. I think, so if you take capitalism, socialism, and, and, and just simple, simple definitions in terms of like capitalism being more laissez-faire, less, like let the markets run. Let's just call it free market. Free market intrusion. Free yeah. markets, let them do their thing. And they will sort and control for self-sort and control for quality and things like that. And then more of a socialist bent, which would be like, no, we need to come in and and insert controls. Mm-hmm. It's basically freedom and control. Mm-hmm. Which of those is better? Because I think at the root, this is what the issue is. Yeah. So, yeah, I won't show all my cards right now but that's okay is freedom better than control yeah everybody wants freedom and we we, we sing yeah. songs about it oh yeah no one sings songs about control so so this is what i'll say and I, I, this is see this is the part of the show where i rip off doug wilson okay so basically in, in in this book that i'm reading with my friend doug wilson argues that all socialism is is a veiled attempt to control people with the future as our instrument. So essentially we want to control people because the people at the top, whoever they are, have decided we know what the right thing is to do. We know that if we control it this way, we can prevent the people down there from making the stupid decisions that we know are stupid. They may not, they might not know that they're stupid. And when I, when I think about this politically, what I keep coming back to is if my options are freedom or more control from people that I don't even think have my best interest at heart, like I'm gonna pick freedom every time. Because look, you can't control the future. You can't control the future, that, that's all up to God and his sovereignty. And I think when we, when we start talking about controlling markets and things like that, we inevitably get into this idea of controlling people for some sort of better gain. If you start a business, are you gonna give your employees freedom or control? Are you going to give them freedom or are you going to control them? Because you seem to know something about the future. Yeah, I mean, I'm obviously going to give them limited freedom depending on what the job is. That's not, I think this is, if you raise children, are you going to give them freedom or control? If you shepherd a church, are you going to give them freedom or control? Or control them? These are fair points, but we're talking about the government I know. here. I know. But I, we're also talking, but so there's an assumption there. There's a little that, bit of apples and oranges to okay, me, it seems. Okay. Well, tell me why. So if, if, if I run a church, so, so say I'm a pastor, right? I, I'm doing what you do. I don't now get a say in everybody else's church. If I run my family a certain way, I don't automatically get a say in everybody no, else's But so family. if you run your government, you don't get a say in everyone else's government. I'm just talking about your government. So now you get to establish a government. You know, set up a city. Okay. So you 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 set up Keegenberg or <laughs> whatever you want to call it, Barrettburg. Okay. And boy, you're gonna are you? And you invite a bunch of citizens to come and be there, and 
you're saying you're not you you don't see any need for control. It's just you're just gonna let it be laissez-faire. Like, well, I'm not saying anarchy. I don't want anarchy. Okay. There there has to be. There has to be laws of some sort in place that prevent people from just willy-nilly getting violent, stealing. Like, we have to have property rights. We have to have some sort of... Do you think that sin enters economic systems? Oh, absolutely. By no means are any of these perfect systems. I'm just going with what I think seems to be the least bad. Okay, so well, that's fine. Let's just cover some general ground here. So, like, okay. so sin enters economic systems. So mm -hmm. in a laissez-faire system where people are allowed to trade and innovate... Are there people there who, who would be do sinister things? Absolutely, but there should be no laws or controls for that. For example, no, I've used this before. Okay, um, let's say uh, you know I know a lady down the street. Um, ask me hard. I don't want to use this example. You answered the question. You said no. There should be no controls. So we should be able to take advantage, usury. Uh, why do you think, have, are you from, maybe you've heard me talk about this before. Like, why do you, do you realize that like in the Bible, like in, under God's economy, like he redistributed wealth? I do. Yeah. I'm why would he do such a thing? As far as my understanding of the Old Testament, I've always read it as, or I've interpreted it as, under under God's theocratic law of him and his people, the idea was that Israel was to be different from all the surrounding nations. And with that context in mind, that's why when I think about today in our Western democratic government, it's hard for me to necessarily be more of theonomist in thought because I just wouldn't know where to draw the line. Okay, well, just slow down. What, how did he want them to be different, like specifically economically? Well, I, I think I think he showed his heart for the poor and expecting his people to redistribute that wealth to the poor through. Um, Why wouldn't he just let the market take care of it? Because he knew his people would not. Um, that he knew that they wouldn't obey his commands if there was a market system in Israel. Okay, so I'm just again. So we get into the theonomy issue, mm -hmm. but my point. And I'm trying to drive home is that it seems to me that God understands that if we just let man run with the ability to make deals and trade, power will concentrate as mm -hmm. well, mm -hmm. and there will be sinister people at play, yep. and they will and they will uh, do injustice to the poor and vulnerable. Yeah, and therefore He goes, it's a good thing to have some kind of correction for that that mm -hmm. is forced yeah it's a law it's a control mm -hmm. so control comes in at some mm -hmm. point um i just think like that i look at that and go wow that seems to me like god is saying that's good now i, I don't agree know, we, with god on that you agree with god on that <laughs> why is it good i mean we're kind of we're kind of beating a dead horse or maybe why is it like, good to care for the poor you mean by forcing a redistribution that's what he did it, why is it good to force redistribution? Well, I think it shows God's heart. It shows God's heart for the poor, and He wants His people. He knows that in these nations around Israel, they're not concerned with taking care of the poor. They're not redistributing wealth to the most vulnerable in their society. Right. This is a way of Israel. Like Israel's, it, it's a way of saying to the surrounding pagan, wicked nations. Look at our God. Yeah, yeah. Look how great He is. Okay. He cares for the poor and downtrodden, and your fake gods don't. 
You know, if you keep reading Doug Wilson, you actually will become a theonomist. Is he, have you read? Uh, I've only read a couple of his books. Have you read Empires of No Empires of Dirt? Dirt, yeah. So I haven't read it, but I know you recommended it to me once upon a time. So here's here's where I'm basically coming from. I think that these, uh, and I'm neither a capitalist nor a socialist. Here's what I would just say. I'd look at these two tensions. I think they're theological values. Let me let me just go next level with you, like, because um, this is. The problem is that we live in a in a world where there's been an unraveling of values. So, right. so like God is has seemingly opposing uh, characteristics and attributes like um, utter control and utter freedom. Mm-hmm. And I think where we're headed, like when we're in um, in heaven in our glorified bodies, we'll be utterly free because we'll be utterly under control. Right. Like we won't be tempted like god is in a cage is kind of the way uh, aubrey puts it he is uh god is in the right cage or the way the bible puts it is he's unable to sin mm-hmm. he's controlled by his nature he's restrained so so right. control is a value right mm-hmm. and when something goes out of the bounds of what that goodness is there's a need for a law or control to come in and, and reset that right mm-hmm. ideally it'd be great if we if we were just free but the problem is we're corrupt. So when that's the problem with laissez-faire, like laissez-faire parenting, laissez-faire mm-hmm. business management, laissez-faire ec- economic systems, is that is that it underestimates the potential for that sin in there to lead to a corruption. Yeah, right. I agree and with I you think on it, all that. And I think way. it devalues the the function of control mm-hmm. to then come in and say, "Hey, listen, you can't just do whatever you want." <laughs> right. You know, because you've been bad now. The fact that those leaders that are going to imp- that are going to um, implement the control are mm-hmm. incompetent, disingenuous, um, doesn't to me doesn't change the 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 essential values because the, I think the when you said we're comparing apples and oranges and you said uh, you know I'm bringing government in I, th- I think you're suspect of government. I am too. Mm-hmm. I don't think you're sufficiently suspect of business. Oh no! So so, so this is kind of the way. Or I maybe I shouldn't it. assume that, but no, it's, I, it seems to me that you're. I not. am suspect of it. So so I think that businesses are going to have the same potential to be corrupt as the government. But um, it, so for example, I'll take you back to Doug in this book. So the the context is in this book, he's talking about work. And he kind of lays down a theology of work. And his main idea, from what from what I can tell, the main idea appears to be letting the free market go, warts and all. Like, look, you're probably going to end up with monopolies and oligarchies and things like that. But the, the baseline philosophy here is that we are made not just to work, but to do quality work. And if you allow slipshod work to fail, quality work will remain. And I think... The free market is the best way to do that. Yeah. I guess at the end of the day, I just I'm just less optimistic about that. Like I think he underestimates, uh, you know, barriers to entry. Um, like when you have a monopoly, you're yeah, you may make the best trinket ever, but guess what? The market's saturated. I'm gonna underprice you. You can't get it going. I mean, it's the whole issue with like it, it, you're not gonna. And maybe someday you something will rise, but the same thing happens in governments. It has the same corrective function. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the totalitarian governments don't last forever. There's a revolution. Something comes up. Like to me, they seem. It seems this. It's like the same thing. Like there's going to tend toward concentration of power and corruption. Right. There's going to be occasional breakthroughs where something nice and fresh comes in. And um, 
but I think all the challenges that that you see with the government side, I just don't. I just see them as equally potentially, and and especially. Have you read much on like uh, you know early like twentieth century like industrial development, even late nineteenth century, right? So think eighteen eighty to nineteen twenty, like the you know like the industrial inst- revolution. Yeah, and, and, yeah. And just the just the plight of workers. Yep. Like, oh, the, the the public school, edu- this public education system got me good. It made sure I understood the plight of the worker. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's for real, though. I mean, you're talking about, um, you know, big corporations coming into a town, like buying up all the resources, basically mm-hmm. enslaving the people for, mm-hmm. you know, until they deplete all the resources. Mm-hmm. And then the people there. So apparently there's, see, so these people are living on this mountain mm-hmm. that's apparently full of coal, which is really valuable. They don't have the ability to get it out of there, right? So mm-hmm. here comes capital. Capital can get it out of there, and mm-hmm. these people need to work, so they work. And they spend 20 years doing the work, and a handful of people get really rich off of it and then leave, and now the 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 community is depleted of resources, and the majority of them are just as poor as ever before. Like, how is that not an injustice? How is it not an injustice to... For a corporation, mm-hmm. have you seen Blood Diamond? Yeah, how's that not an injustice? That's free market, man. Here's a bunch of poor blacks. It, they don't have it, any money. Uh, it, yeah, but if we give them a dollar, man, we'll get them to dig all these diamonds out, and we'll freaking take them. And now the country's that's free market, man. Like so, I so I I actually agree with the idea that it's an injustice. So for me, I guess the way I process through this is. It, gr- so grinding poverty, it can either happen by human initiative. Or it can happen by things like derechos. Like grinding poverty, it can happen. There's all kinds of ways it can happen. What I'm super suspect of is poverty through organization and coercion. That's what that, gov- that that's what the diamond company just did. Right, but through the government. <laughs> yeah. So I guess maybe that's where we just we just disagree. There's a there's a There's no easy solution here, I don't think. No, there's certainly not an easy not in solution. A world. There's not an easy solution um, at all. <clears throat> so I'm just here to critique. You asked what the solutions are. The solu- <laughs> My solution is to be honest, mm-hmm. to be equally suspect of either end of that spectrum, mm-hmm. and then try to identify places where we need to move more toward freedom of control. And it's really freaking hard. I can barely do it as a parent. And I do think it's really, I think it's, imp- it's, you know, I basically run my home like a communist. Mm-hmm. My kids don't get to vote. Now, as they age, you know, we take things into account. But basically, like, I control the resources and determine mm-hmm. where they go. And um, the difference is I love my kids and, right. and invested in them. The government doesn't love me. But neither does Walmart and neither does Goodyear. Like, they don't care about us. And they just want to make the dollar. And I just think, I guess maybe that's the thing, is at the end of the day... For reasons that are hard to maybe identify and articulate, you are just more suspect of the government than of corporations. I, I yeah, I guess, I guess if you had to ask me the question point blank, say, uh, it, it's like Keegan, who'd you rather get taken advantage of by the company you work for or the government? I'm gonna say, well, at least I can go to a different company on my own initiative. I can't just pick a different government. Sure, this is because of the monop- monopoly of at least the federal government or something. Within those confines, right. you can't do that. Right. right? You have to... For, you, yeah. you, your personal experience, you currently have more... Uh, you feel less constrained by right. the corporate 
yeah, yeah. And that's probably true in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so, but I, okay, so I'm, it's, it's a question of whether we're talking theoretically or practically, right? Like, okay, sure. so in theory, yes, I see what you're saying about yep. the equality of the potential for villainous behavior. But because of the, the, uh, well, especially, you know, you might want to, someone might say, well, you could at least change parties and vote in different people, but I think the whole thing's shot. They're all lying to you and signing backdoor deals and doing I can't same. get anybody in office by myself. It takes money and a concerted effort. To- well, you got the whole idea of like, you know, Obama was supposed to be like a, you know, a leftist radical, but like mm-hmm. really he just did all this. He bombed all the same brown and black people all over the world that George Bush did. Like there's not, there's not really a change there. He's a pretty good race baiter though. Yeah. Oh, dang. What makes you say, oh, we can change the subject. So let me just, <laughs> I'm sorry. let me just, you don't have to go there. But. Let me just, uh, uh, let's put a pin in that or at least just say, hey, that's, I, I think it's kind of settled. At the end of the mm-hmm. day, you're more suspect. Yeah. You're not really laissez faire. Yeah, that's fair. I probably shouldn't call myself that. That's laissez faire. That's, that's a point for Donovan today, kids. Um, we call it a point, but here's the thing. Uh, the reason I think that's an important concession because I actually think a lot of times, uh, if people would be honest that the, that the reality is that we're just dealing with competing goods and tensions, it would be a lot different rather than polarizing and villainizing. Mm-hmm. You know, if someone says, you know, capitalism is the murderous mechanism of the planet and mm-hmm. someone else says, no, man, that's it's it's the only way to freedom. It's that, you know, there's just like there's it's gonna be hard for them to communicate and, and work together. But I think it's completely different to say, hey, look, there's these competing tensions that are really hard to figure out. And I see what you mean. Like, we do need to control corruption and corporations can be out of control. And for them to say, yeah, I also see how government can get out of hand and and be foolish and not have our best interests in mind and we need innovation. So that's a different place to have a conversation from. They're like, okay, now how do we how do we assess the situation and try to move forward rather than, uh, again, a more polarized uh, approach. When a country like America, we're, we're forced to, right? You, you, when you start learning about American government, you start learning how the, 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 whole, uh, the whole system of American governance was founded on compromise. The, the fact that if you really want to get something done in office, like push through Congress, whatever, you're probably going to have to work with the guys on the other side of the aisle. Or the people that voted you in are just going to get mad because you're going to look like you're doing nothing and they're just going to not vote for you anymore. Well, I think that's the whole, from what I can tell, I'm not a civics expert, is that the government was designed um, as best as possible to maintain that tension, to not allow right. one thing to swing way far really very quickly. And it doesn't, as far as, as far as my knowledge. Yeah, things might change soon. We'll see. <laughs> um, man, we have a few minutes here. I usually try to shoot for an hour. Has it been an hour? It's almost. Yeah. Wow. These things go quick. It's crazy. This is why Joe Rogan can talk for three hours, which I could probably do too, but no one would listen for three hours. So. Right. Know who you are. Uh, <laughs> know your limitation. Yep. So, man, you just called Obama a race beater. I don't even know if I want to open up that can of worms. Well, I mean, if you want to get me canceled today, then we can talk about it. But I feel like I cancel myself enough on the Facebook. The Facebook? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. How do you think through the fact that the nations are controlled by demons Ooh. and then still go vote for the highest leaders in mm-hmm. the nation? Because what's the alternative? Well, not to. 
not to go vote? I'm not saying you shouldn't, but I'm just saying it is a valid alternative. No, that's a great question. So I have no answers here. I'm just like that guy that I just do. like pokes holes at stuff. No, that no, right, so you're really like, good at that. It's like a choice. <laughs> it's like a choice between uh, uh, you know, Molek. You know, it's like well. We gotta vote for somebody, like you know. Yeah. So this is so there, there's a pretty well known um, pastor in the the evangelical world, and and if you go on YouTube, there's like a video from like 11 years ago, and in this video, who is it? John MacArthur. Okay. So in the I don't know if I should name or not, but in this video, John MacArthur basically says it's Christians. You can go vote, read the newspaper, whatever, but past voting. Really, Christians shouldn't be involved in politics past that point because we're here to change the culture from the inside and dot, dot, dot. And I know John MacArthur. What if Christians are politicians? Well, good question. And I know I know his theology. And my, my question I heard this was, okay, I know this guy's theology. So here's what, here's what he would say. God is a big God. He's sovereign over everything. He's wise. He's omnipotent, all-knowing. He is intimately involved in all aspects of human life, including politics. Therefore, Christians don't get involved at all. And that just makes no sense to me. Okay. How can, like, if God is over all of that, how does it necessarily follow that his people should be um, apathetic towards it? Okay. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't follow to me, right? Yeah. It's like saying God's sovereign over dinner, so don't eat it. Like, right. It just doesn't, <laughs> doesn't make sense. Because you're here to change dinner from the inside. Yeah. So. Um, but anyway, at the end of the day, back to my question. Yeah. Like, do you, do you think, like, are you a Trump fan? Let's go. It, this is, now's your chance. Now I'm going to get canceled. Um. I will, I yeah, I'll, I'll vote for Donald Trump. I think Donald. Are you a fan? Am I a fan? I've been, I've actually been relatively pleased with his job performance. Um, almost like any other Christian, I, I do the same thing all other Christians who are going to vote for Donald Trump do, and that, like he's been a good president, but I don't like his personality. Well, <laughs> first of all, first of all, not all uh, Christians would say he's a good president. Or have, or those that do would not necessarily say they don't like his personality. There's plenty of people that love it, love uh, him completely. It, I don't I don't know. Me and him, me and him probably wouldn't be best friends. But um, as far as his job performance, it's been a lot better than I thought it was going to be. What is a what is an example of like a policy that you are? Just I've been incredibly so when I think through voting for a president, presidents don't make laws. Well, they do sign in executive orders. They can and do that, can, and that and that's a newer development in American politics. But for the most part. Most they of the time, people. Most of the time, the president's well, what do these job. Guys do most of the job time, the well, they order strikes. <laughs> it's fair. They can't pull troops out and things like that. They when can... I so I'm when I think of things like uh, overall, right? Sure. That most of what the president does is when I vote for president, I think is he going to veto crappy legislation that I don't like? Can I trust him to do that? And what's he going to do in the foreign policy theater? Because to me, those seems to be the two areas where he is particularly powerful compared to Congress. And I will say I've been incredibly pleased with Donald Trump's uh, work in, say, like the Middle East. He proved with Iran that basic deterrence policy works. And if he wasn't Donald Trump, he'd be up for a Nobel Peace Prize right now for the historic breakthrough deal that he helped broker between the UAE and Israel. No president in the last like 50 years has... Like that, that's huge. It's, yeah. it's, it's probably going to be a foundation for peace deals in the Middle East to come. Thankfully, because I think the Obama administration kind of pushed them into each other's arms because they all hate Iran. So it's like an, uh, an enemy of my enemy is my friend kind right. of deal. Right. 
okay, well, that's fair. You answered the question with a specific policy. Um, so, yeah, if you guys want to... Uh, don't cancel Keegan. <laughs> Have coffee with him. Coffee Keegan. That's what we should do. Instead of co- cancel culture, it should be coffee culture. Like when coffee. someone says something yeah. that you just think is... He, how can you think that? Is grab coffee with him, especially at Redeemer Church. Like right now, with all the stuff going on, the politics, mm-hmm. the racial stuff, the uh, pandemic. Like th- people have a lot of different opinions, and um, you'll probably like me more if you actually hang out with me. I'm kind of hard at first. You hang out with his brother, you like him more. You know, everyone. Weird. That's my whole life. But anyway, I've just so let me just take this moment to shepherd us as a church and like um, just get to know one another and and be. Um, I don't know. Grant one another the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, I I saw a post recently. I see this go around often. It says something like, "Yeah, we can agree to disagree unless your opinions lead to my oppression or something like that." And I oh. get what they're saying. You know, it's like saying, "Hey, Hitler, I know we you think we should <laughs> kill Jews, and I don't. We should, uh, but we can still be friends." Like, <clears throat> no, I'm not saying that. Yeah. But I just think the kind of things we're dealing with are just more complex, more complex. Like, I think there's probably, you know, since you tend to be on the right, Mm -hmm. there's going to be some policies or things like that that some people would say are oppressive and racist. And and I think that it would be better. Even in the church. Yeah. And that it'd be better to have that conversation and nuance it out rather Mm -hmm. than assume your goal is to oppress and be racist. I don't think that's the case. Right. Um, So, anyway, just talk to one another jeez man be nice if we can't be nice at redeemer just forget it you know what i mean like at your own church with people that you have so much in agreement with so yeah so that's part of why i'm doing this i want to be able to push and at the end of the day i think these things are really really complicated man i listened to i started listening to communist radio recently wow communist podcast yeah because i I realized i said i wanted to listen to people on different sides Uh uh-huh Man, it's freaking dogs. Yeah, I know. Um, but then I realized that the people on the left that I listened to were actually pretty centrist. So guys like Weinstein or um, uh, Peterson or something. That's I was like, disappointing. Well, I wanna... Yeah. Well, it is because it's <laughs> you really not... want leftist radio. Well, because here's the thing: like, really, you know, people that are actually progressives view center left as no different from the right. Right. They're just they're all sellouts. They're still playing the corporate game, and so it's like they're not really. So I wanted to really hear them. And so I started listening to some of that stuff. And anyway, um, oh, freaking dogs. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's that quality podcast. <laughs> well, it's not. This is fighting words. So anyway, I'd love to have you on. And uh, Keegan, I know that went really fast and we don't solve anything. No. We just maybe. Getting no solutions today. That's okay. Did your sound just go out? Did it? Oh, it must be. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You touched my headphone. Don't touch my headphone, man. Sorry. So, anyways, good stuff. Um, We'll do it again sometime. Cool. I want to get into the... uh, Man, there's so much. I feel like this is all I should do for the next two months, do podcasts about politics, and uh, because this is what's hot right now. So, come back, man. We'll talk about uh, Portland. We'll talk about Rittenberg. Is that his name? Ritten, the guy that shot, did the shooting? Uh, Ritten, Ritten House? Rittenhouse, I think. Something like that. Did you see the entire... There's an entire video that's 18 minutes long that, sh- that shows all the shootings. Did you see that? Like all of them in succession? Like the yeah, the, the timeline is all sequenced out and it shows it shows the whole thing. Have you seen that? No, I don't think I, I don't think I many people have. I saw it. And I'm not going to offer my opinion, but my point is, if you haven't seen that, you should probably watch it. 
all the shootings. You should watch that sequence from beginning to end. There's three people that were shot. Yeah. Have you seen all three of them in order in sequence? There's an there's a there's a full sequence of videos from prior to the first shooting and all the events that led up to it. The Rittenhouse thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then the and then the other subsequent two shootings. Have you seen that? No, I haven't seen it. That's interesting. It's pretty yet you probably have an opinion about I've actually tried to intentionally steer clear of talking I'm about Rittenhouse. You. I'm like accusing you. It, I don't actually, I don't actually want to talk about Rittenhouse very much because my whole thing is like, Rittenhouse wouldn't even be there if the riots would have been shut down in the beginning like they should have been. I'm not sure. Okay, <laughs> but that's one of those things I view as a non sequitur. But fine, you don't have to talk about Rittenhouse. But it's kind of <laughs> like a. I don't know. I could take that logic to anything. Like we shouldn't talk about anything because if the whole. You know, if we if that's the whole fine. world that's didn't fair. exist, that's fair. That's but whatever, fair. you don't have to talk about. Rittenhouse that. shouldn't have been there because he's not even from the state, and Castle Doctrine doesn't apply in Wisconsin for someone who's out of state. Like he's a seventeen-year-old kid, you shouldn't sure. go. Hey, I'm gonna, I'm here to help. Well, just let well, people live thing. there. Help. But here's the thing, though. It, 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 if you watch the Castle Doctrine, may be irrelevant. It depends. If I watch the video, if you watch the video, okay, that whetted my appetite. I'll have to go watch yeah. it now. Yeah. So. If you are out there and you haven't seen this video, message me. I will send you the link. Uh, I thought about posting it on Facebook, and then people are going to assume I'm saying something. Like, <laughs> just, just watch the video. You have to and be then, careful, don't you? I just think it's important. That's significant. I just think it's really significant. If I <gasps> if I just mention the existence of this video and you haven't seen it and you have posted about this, you need to go watch the video. You need to see this video. Yeah. And then you may have the same opinion or different or not, but you need to see the video. Okay. So I'll show it to you. All right, cool. Um, well, anyway, with that, have a nice week. See ya. <laughs>